Hey, I'm Emily Jordan, and this is Emily Jordan Radio, my podcast, where I host interviews and solo episodes to motivate, inspire, educate, and entertain you. I'm a 20-something hardcore empath, creative spirit, and women's personal trainer, and I'm really interested in the relationship between what we think of our bodies and how we show up in our lives. This podcast covers everything from physical health to personal development to just figuring out how to live happily and healthily. I write, record, edit, and produce every episode myself, and it means a lot to me that you're here listening. You can find more of my life and work on Instagram at double underscore Emily Jordan double underscore or online at www.emilyjordan.me or you can contact me directly at emily at emilyjordan.me. Thanks for being here and let's get started with today's episode. Okay, folks, let's try this again. Um, I sat down yesterday and recorded this entire episode because you guys requested to hear about my Whole30 experience. So I sat down and I told you about my Whole30 experience. And apparently I was just talking to the air. My podcast mic died in the middle of the episode, so it was all garbage. Um, So we're just going to start all the way over. Um, I did a little poll on my Instagram a little while back asking people what they wanted to hear about, gave them some choices. Whole30 got a lot of votes, so here we are. This is the Whole30 recap episode. And I'm actually really excited to share my experience because it was really informative. Um, It was oddly fun, like fun in a weird way. Don't get me wrong, I'm really glad that it's done because it was also really challenging and really inconvenient at times. But I learned a lot, and overall, I have to say I do recommend it as a personal experiment, especially if, like me, you have some curiosities about the way your diet might be affecting your well-being. Although, honestly, the more I think about that, I kind of think everybody should be curious about that. Like, I think everybody should wonder what effect their diet is having on their body. I mean, we all eat, we have to, um, and foods make all of us feel a certain way. They make all of us feel a different way. They affect us in a lot of ways. So I just think that everyone should be curious about the effect that foods have on their body. It just seems like a basic level of personal health concern. But anyway, let's jump into what you really want to hear about, which is why I did the Whole30, um, how I did it, and what happened. So I'll start by just going over what the Whole30 is, even though I'm very confident in your ability to Google and even though you may very well already know what it is. I still want to just briefly define it, get everybody on the same page, and also tell you how I heard about it and why it kind of piqued my interest. So Whole30 is not a diet. It's more of an experiment. It's not meant to be long-term at all, and it's also explicitly not for weight loss or body recomposition or anything really aesthetically related like that. It's strictly an experiment for 30 days to observe the effects that certain foods have on your body. Now, the idea is to eliminate several different types of food that are potential reactants or problem causers for a lot of people. And then one by one, at the end of 30 days, you reintroduce these foods in order to see their effects on your body. So basically, when people think of the Whole30, they think of it as this long list of things that you can't eat for 30 days, which is honestly exactly how I looked at it at the beginning too. But literally, after just like a week or so of cooking and eating, I was like, you can actually still eat so much. Like, yeah, it's restrictive and there's a lot of quote unquote off limits foods um, and ingredients, but there really are still so many possibilities left over with what you can eat that if you just focus on that, if you focus on what you can still have, it doesn't really feel restrictive. 
And again, it is not meant to be long-term. The founder of Whole30, um, it's a lady named Melissa Urban, I believe, is really adamant about that. You can't think of this as a healthy eating approach. It's literally an experiment. It's for you to discover what foods could potentially be evoking negative responses from your body. And these negative responses can range from things like poor digestion, sleep problems, skin problems, rashes, aches in your joints, headaches, stomach aches, low energy, bad moods, weakness, fatigue. The list is endless. Like literally there's an entire page in one of the Whole30 books. Um, so it's not just about weight. And in fact, it's actually not about weight at all. It's about the way your body handles certain foods, period. So the list of foods that you can't eat at all, not even a little, like not even a little taste, a lick, anything for 30 days is soy, dairy, added sugar, real or artificial, legumes, MSG, sulfites, carrageenan, carrageenan, still not really sure how to pronounce that, um, grains, and alcohol. And because this is not an episode on defining food groups, I am not going to list what each of these food groups contain. We're not going to go into too much depth on that, but I do want to give you some basics just so you get an understanding of not how restrictive it feels because I don't want to give off the vibe that it's super restrictive, but I do want to give you an idea of what Whole30 realistically looks like. So soy means no soy milk, uh, no soy beans, so sadly no edamame, <laughs> no tofu or meat substitutes that are made from soy, which is most meat substitutes, no soy sauce or anything with soy sauce in it. Um, dairy is, of course, any milk product from any animal. So some people don't really consider goat products dairy because it's not a cow, but goat stuff on Whole30 is still considered dairy. So no milk, no cheese, no whey, no chocolate, no like sauce dressing or meal that contains any dairy. The sugar thing is kind of ridiculous because so much stuff has added sugar in it. Um, but the sugar category includes any fake sugar also, like Splenda or Stevia, as well as anything that has cane sugar, um, coconut sugar. It doesn't matter what the sugar source is. No sugar. Um, juices that have added sugar, things like that. Basically, you can only have naturally occurring sugars, which come from things like fruits and some vegetables, um, fruit juice concentrate, things like that. You cannot have honey, which a lot of people... Um, relate the Whole30 to paleo and honey is okay on the paleo diet, but honey is not allowed on Whole30. I'm still kind of confused on that because I feel like honey is very natural. But anyway, moving on to legumes. Legumes is basically all beans and peanuts too. So no peanut butter, um, no chickpeas, no black beans, any kind of beans, things like that. And when people hear this, they're like, wait, but I thought chickpeas were healthy. I thought black beans were good for you. And that's the thing I want to reiterate. This is not a health food diet. This is an experiment. So yeah, chickpeas are awesome. Black beans are great for you, but they're legumes and legumes are potential reactants for some people. So no legumes, people. Um, MSG, sulfites, and carrageenan. Carrageenan, that's going to bother me. <laughs> um, I'll be honest, I did not do a ton of research on this that I retained. At the beginning, I looked up everything. I did a ton of research, but I forgot everything. Um, and I basically just said, don't eat that. And I read the labels um, on food products really carefully. So for the most part, MSG is pretty easy to avoid because everybody knows that it sucks. Um, I didn't really have an issue with the carrageenan thing, whatever that is. And sulfites, I'm not really sure what they are, but they were a little tricky um, sometimes just because that would be in random stuff, but it really wasn't that big of a deal. You just have to be super aware. Grains, 
You guessed it. That means no bread, no quinoa, no rice, no oatmeal, no fun. (laughs) Basically, this category kind of sucked the worst for me because it's really all-encompassing and it means no sushi, no sandwiches, no pasta, no soups that have noodles or rice in them, no granola bars, um, anything like that. And this was a really tough category for me. Alcohol was not so big of a deal because I'm not a big time drinker anyway. Um, Of course, there were a couple opportunities for margaritas or wine that I had to turn down, but the bigger inconvenience here is that there are things made with alcohol, which are also forbidden. So vanilla extract, for example, is made with alcohol. So any kind of um, like semi-dessert bar, looking at you, Lara bars, that had vanilla extract was a no-go. Also, when I was trying to find new dairy-free coffee creamers um, or even just dairy-free milks, I would find find one that was like coconut milk, almond milk, and then it would be vanilla extract. So that was kind of tough. But funny story, literally on day 31, after I finished the Whole30, I got an email from the Whole30 people because I was subscribed to all their updates and, you know, recommendations and stuff for my Whole30. On day 31, I get an email saying, oh, we're constantly like reviewing research and and keeping up with stuff. So vanilla extract is now Whole30 approved. And I just had to laugh. Like it really wasn't that big a deal, but I was like, man, that was just funny. Thought I would mention it. All right, on to more important matters. Um, How did I hear of Whole30? I had heard of Whole30 before this, but I really didn't know what it was. And one day I just happened to click on a podcast that I honestly never even really listened to, but it's really good. Um, It's the Trained podcast by Nike. It's called Trained. And there was an episode called Reset Your Relationship with Food. And I was like, this sounds really cool. So I clicked on it and it was really just all about the whole 30. And it really kind of just intrigued me. Also, I did, and sort of still do, suffer from some weird digestion problems that we'll get into later. And this episode of the the Whole30 podcast talked about how Whole30's been helpful for people with poor digestion. So that also piqued my interest. But I was also like, "Mm, this sounds a little extreme. Like, is it really worth giving up all this stuff for a month? Is that something I really need to do? Is there an easier way to go about this? I honestly tried to think of like a modified Whole30 at the beginning, like, okay, maybe I'll just give up dairy or maybe I'll just go gluten-free because I thought those could be triggers for me. Um, Maybe I'll just experiment with those. But then I was like, "Mm, no, I called myself out. I was like, Emily, you just trying to take the easy way out. You just being scared and trying to find an easier way to do something that you know could be super helpful. So I did some research and I also decided that October was probably the only 30-day stretch of the rest of the year where I could do something this extreme, quote unquote. So I kind of just pulled the trigger and I went for it. And that's something that all the resources talk about too, is that um, if you're considering doing the whole 30 or something like this, you have to find a time. um, You have to be thoughtful about the time period that you're going to do it in. Like, Do not do this during Thanksgiving. That's just cruel. Um, If you know you have like weddings or celebrations, birthday parties, something like that coming up, maybe don't decide to give up 900 different ingredients that are super common in commercially produced food or just anybody who's cooking food in general. Um, Also, you're going to have to cook a lot on this thing. So don't make it any harder on yourself by trying to cut out sugar, dairy, grains during the holidays or just a super busy time of the year in general because you're going to be cooking and you're going to need to rely on your own cooked meals. So October was really pretty perfect for me besides not being able to have Halloween candy. (laughs) But I didn't have any out-of-town trips. I didn't have any big parties or major celebrations. um, So it was pretty doable for me. 
Now, a little more about why I wanted to do it. So I mentioned that I had slash kind of still have, we're still figuring it out, just wonky digestion. And I'm gonna save you the details on that. But I do wanna say, just in case anyone else is experiencing similar things or maybe doesn't even know that they are, because that's kind of where I was at. I would hear people talk about or read about people having quote unquote weird digestion or like poor negative um, digestive feedbacks, things like that. And I was like, but wait, what are you talking about? Like, um, so again, I'm not gonna go into like super details, but I do wanna say what I mean, just because I wanna try to help as many people as I can. So what I'm talking about when I say that I have wonky or weird digestion is mostly just discomfort. Um, I feel or felt super full after I'd eat, but I was still hungry. Um, I would get randomly bloated or I thought that it was random. I was super irregular, we'll say, and I will just go ahead and go there. I had really bad gas. <laughs> Look. I used to be really embarrassed about this. I would never have imagined that I would say this out loud on a podcast, and I'm still pretty embarrassed, but I've learned that bad digestion is actually really common and stomach problems are super common and people are either too embarrassed to talk about it and get help, or they don't know that what they're experiencing isn't normal. So I'm not gonna get into a huge poop segue here. I'm just not. But I would encourage you to do some research, maybe pull some people close to you, start Googling stuff, just get an idea of what is normal in terms of digestion overall, because it's so, so common for this system not to function properly. And from what I can tell, it's mostly a function of our diet and the way that some of our bodies um, are handling either changing food preparation methods or just our diets in general. So digestion was kind of my biggest motivator here, but that also brings me to another point, which is the fact that an elimination diet like the Whole30 can reveal issues or just suboptimal experiences that you don't even know you're having. So many of us are just used to living with inconvenient or uncomfortable, unpleasant stuff in our lives that we don't even know that it's not normal or that our diets are actually causing these things. And I found that super interesting. I would have never said beforehand, like, I have sleep problems and I still wouldn't say I have trouble sleeping by any means. But for whatever reason, I have never slept better in my life than when I was on Whole30. I literally had no problems falling asleep. I felt like I was like the perfect amount of tired at the end of the day. Um, it usually takes me like 30 minutes or so to actually drift off. And then when I woke up in the morning, I just felt so rested. Like I felt like I had really completed all my sleep cycles and stuff like that. It was great. Um, it's definitely still happening. I'm still sleeping really well, but I did notice a really stark difference at the beginning of Whole30. So that was one thing I didn't really realize might have been impacted by my diet or could have been improved. And that's one reason I would recommend people trying something extreme, for lack of a better word like this, because it can actually show you the areas that are not normal in your life or where you could use some improvement. Maybe you have achy joints or you get a weird skin rash. Um, maybe you get super tired at 3 p.m., but you're just assuming like, that's just my body, that's my skin, I just have a long work day. You think all that stuff's normal. Eliminating foods that could be causing those things is so helpful. Yeah, it's hard, but it's so helpful in alleviating symptoms that you might not have even really known were symptoms in the first place. So that's one thing I thought was really cool and also made me want to try it. Now, in terms of how I actually did it, um, it's pretty simple and straightforward, which is another thing that I actually liked about Whole30. There are not any ifs or exceptions about it. It's literally, do not eat all of this stuff, and if you do, you have to start over. <laughs> and of course, people cheat, or they say, um, 
you know, like, oh, you don't have to be that strict. But because I was genuinely curious and I wanted to actually get to the bottom of my issues, I honestly never cheated knowingly. And what I mean by that is at restaurants, I always asked, is this gluten-free? Is this dairy-free? Um, I asked for things not to be prepared in butter, which is dairy. I was super inquisitive and I asked a lot of questions, but if I ate somewhere that happened to have one of the chefs touch my salad leaf with a little bit of butter on their glove or some sugar from another dressing, Sorry. Um, so that's what I mean when I say I never knowingly cheated or ate something off limits. I didn't blatantly eat anything that I wasn't supposed to. So the first part of how is just getting familiar with what you can't have. So I made a note in my phone of everything that was off limits and I screenshotted some resources from the Whole30 website. That way, when I was grocery shopping or when I was meal prepping, when I was out to eat and looking at a menu, and I needed to read ingredient labels, I had all that stuff handy. Eventually, I kind of just remembered, but there are apparently a ton of different types of grains and sneaky sugars that I did have to look up in the beginning quite often, which is part two of how I did it. I read every ingredient label, like every label, um, the label on my seasonings, uh, the label on my Pam, the label on my hot sauce, and then I physically rearranged my kitchen and my pantry to make my Whole30 stuff more accessible. And then my non-Whole30 stuff, like, just invisible. So my pantry kind of looked empty besides a lot of plantain chips, a lot of non-peanut nut butters, and sweet potato chips. Um, for me, not having to look at my rice cakes or chocolate peanut butter or oatmeal every day made things a lot easier because obviously I miss those things. But for me, out of sight makes things out of mind, right? Um, and so not having to stare at those every time I open the pantry made things a lot easier. Also, because this is not a new diet by any means, there are tons of resources online for Whole30 ingredients and tips and tricks, etc. And so I just read a lot of blogs, I pinned a lot of stuff, and I tried to focus on adding new things into my diet instead of focusing on taking stuff out. And because, again, it is trendy and popular and it's been done for so long, grocery stores also have a lot of Whole30 stuff. And you can look at things and they'll have like a little Whole30 label on them. So... It's really not as hard as you make it out to be. Part three of how I did it is cooking. Um, I cooked a lot in general, so this wasn't like a too big of a change for me. But if you're considering doing Whole30, just know that you're going to be a lot more successful and it's going to be a lot easier if you just cook for yourself instead of trying to find pre-made things that are compliant or order compliant things at restaurants. So this meant for me, again, following a lot of Whole30 chefs on Instagram, pinning a lot of recipes um, and things like that. Part four of how I did it, um, which is super important, is I told people that I was doing Whole30. And this sounds either obvious or just weird to mention, but honestly, getting people in your life on board with something this all-encompassing and impactful is pretty necessary. Um, I still went out to eat with people and I live my life um, much more limited than usual, all right, but still... Telling people I was with, um, hey, can we find somewhere that has a salad or an allergen menu? That was clutch. Another thing that was really helpful for me was when Michael and I um, wanted to cook one night, we would just choose a recipe from a Whole30 cookbook instead of trying to make an existing recipe compliant. So there are still ways to have fun and do the Whole30, but it is much easier if you actually let people know, like, this is what I'm doing so that they can be considerate or you can avoid them if they're not. <laughs> I think part five of how I did it that's worth mentioning is just the mentality you have to have. 
if you're doing something like this to try to lose weight, I really don't think you're going to be successful or have a great time um, or even stick with it because you're probably going to cheat uh, because you're just focused on weight loss and not any actual health benefits. And one of the things they actually say at the beginning of Whole32 is you can weigh yourself before you start if you want, but do not weigh yourself for 30 days because people will be like, wait, I've given up all this stuff after a whole week and I still haven't lost any weight. And again, the point is not to lose weight. This is not a weight loss diet. So like I said, for me, I did Whole30 to straighten out some personal health issues and that made it really easy for me not to cheat because I was really curious what was going on. So my mentality was, this is only for 30 days and this is for my own health and I'm not just trying to do this, I'm doing it. Um, if you tell yourself you're gonna try the Whole30, you're gonna try a diet, you're gonna try to work out, um, that's what we tell ourselves to give ourselves an out when it gets hard or inconvenient. And y'all, there were so many times that this was inconvenient, trust me, so many, but I told myself that I was doing it. This was not an optional thing. I didn't give myself an escape plan for when I got tempted or when it got hard or when I really needed chocolate. I just said, this is it, this is my choice and in 30 days, this is over. Actually, a little more than 30, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> I also thought about it in terms of weeks of meal prep and I realized that for the way that I cook, I really only had to pick out four lunches and four dinners total, like one per week pretty much. And that's really not that hard to do given all the resources out there. Okay, so I think that covers how I did it and why I did it. So now let's talk about what happened and my kind of post Whole30 journey, what I learned, what I'm keeping around, even though I can pretty much eat whatever I want now. So when the 30 days is up, you're not supposed to just jump back into whatever you were eating before. It's not just a free for all because um, that's the whole point of eliminating things is to be able to see one by one their effect on your body. There is a reintroductory period of reintroducing the foods that you had to give up. Um, and like I said, that's because obviously you're not going to be able to tell which foods are negatively impacting you if you just go right back to everything all at once. So if after it ends, for example, you have dairy, sugar, and grains, like a cookie, all in the same day, and then you get a really bad stomach ache, how are you gonna know what that stomach ache came from? Maybe you got a stomach ache because you just haven't had any of that stuff in 30 days. Maybe it was just a combination of that stuff. But maybe it was because you're actually sensitive to dairy. Maybe you're actually sensitive to certain sugars. Who knows? So the idea is to slowly, one by one, reintroduce each food group, keep everything else Whole30 compliant, and then observe any reactions or effects you might have. And so that's why I said it's actually a little longer than 30 days because let's say on day 31 you choose to reintroduce grains you're not supposed to break into any of the other categories. So yes, for probably 30 to 40 days, you're pretty restrictive. So for me, I did choose to start with kind of the biggest, hardest to avoid food groups and also things that I genuinely missed or wanted to eat again. So for me, that was grains first. Um, and I reintroduced grains by having oatmeal for breakfast and then I just had some crackers for a snack later in the day. And I did that for a couple days. I kept everything else Whole30 compliant and I had no negative feedback. And then actually today, I reintroduced sugar. Y'all, that's a lie, it's not today anymore because I wrote this and then I recorded it and then I had to re-record it. But the other day, I reintroduced sugar. I added some sugar to my coffee and then I had a latte that was sweetened almond milk uh, and vanilla flavor from Starbucks. And so, so far, everything's fine. Um, I can now say since it's been more than two days, um, everything is fine, sugar's good, but 
the whole 30 protocol and kind of just common sense says that you do have to give stuff more than just one day or one meal. You should probably give it somewhere around 48 hours in order to really be able to determine how it affects you in terms of things like sleep, energy, digestion, skin, etc. And I will say also, even though I'm not having any negative feedback from sugar, I definitely notice a difference, which is cool. Um, and the differences that I'm noticing are, uh, I think I just feel fuller. I think I might feel a little more sluggish. I don't know. It just, it does. It just feels different. But those are the things that I'm looking at as I reintroduce. I'm looking at digestion, energy, sleep, and I guess skin, but not too, too closely because that wasn't a huge issue for me. I'm kind of just curious. But I do think it's really neat though that depending on what you were experiencing before Whole30, you could choose to look at different things. If you were having really bad headaches or if you had really bad energy crashes at the end of the day, you might pay more attention to those things as you did the Whole30 and then as you re-added stuff back in. In terms of what I am finding or discovering post-Whole30, surprisingly, I did not particularly even enjoy my coffee with sugar in it the morning that I added the sugar. Um, before Whole30, I usually used a little bit of creamer and then like maybe a teaspoon, half a teaspoon of sugar in my coffee. And then during Whole30, I just used either a coconut milk creamer or almond milk creamer or just plain unsweetened almond milk. And I got really used to that. It tasted really good. So I kind of just prefer that now. And so for me, that is a win because that's just less sugar. I also have a major sweet tooth that did not go away. Um, I like to have chocolate or like a cookie every day, a little something sweet after every meal. But of course, couldn't do any of that during Whole30 because hashtag dairy, hashtag sugar. Um, and I really honestly felt like now either my cravings for those things have gone down slightly. Um, although don't get it twisted. I totally had chocolate as soon as I reintroduced dairy, but more on that later. Um, so either my cravings kind of went down a little bit or maybe what happened was more mental. Like I realized that if I could just say no for 30 days, why can I not just say no now? So I don't know, either way in the sweets department, I just feel less inclined to reach for candy or sneak a piece of chocolate. I'm not saying that I'm not eating candy, but I'm not as excited about it, I guess, if that makes sense. Another thing I took away from Whole30 was just a totally new level of awareness around what I was eating. Um, it was hard and awkward sometimes, but having to ask, hey, is there sugar in this salad dressing? Or could you guys not cook my chicken and butter? It made me really hyper aware and appreciative of all food preparation processes. Um, I was reading the ingredients of Pam. I was reading the ingredients of ketchup, of spices. Y'all, even spices have sugar in them sometimes. Um, they even have like sulfites. That's where I would find sulfites also. I was also like, what the heck? There is soy in Pam. Um, and so even though it was super challenging, I think that this level of just cut and dry, this is not allowed, forces you to pay attention and be extra choosy about what you're putting into your body, especially if like me, you're super concerned about the effects of those things. And so maybe not everyone is as concerned about trace amounts of soy in their cooking spray um, or the possible wheat or dairy in their seasonings. But if you're truly wanting to get to the root of a dietary issue, then I do think that that level of precision is necessary. Otherwise, you could be thinking you're doing Whole30 or saying you're doing Whole30, but still allowing stuff into your diet and not really know that you're reacting to it. So the awareness around food was really cool for me. Um, I'm definitely happy to have a little more freedom and laxness in that department now and not have to read everything, but that was still a positive in my book. Some other just general takeaways I had were, number one, I follow way too many cookie and dessert accounts on Instagram. That was torture. Number two, 
I learned to cook a lot of new stuff and I tried a lot of new things in the kitchen. I made ribs and a pork tenderloin for the first time. That was super yummy. Um, number three, because I had to just straight up say no to a lot of temptations, I really learned how great it feels to refuse something instead of give in and then regret it the next day. I am not like food obsessed or anything like that, but sometimes when I overeat and I know I overeat, I wake up the next morning and I'm immediately thinking like, why did I do that? And so it was really hard to actually, and so it was really nice to not have that feeling on Whole30. And actually it was really hard to overeat because number one, your options are just limited. You can't eat as much. And two, you're eating a lot of vegetables, which makes you super full. <laughs> Finally, Whole30 just made me really grateful for health in general, um, my own health and just access to health and healthy foods, healthy resources. Um, instead of spending all 30 days being like, I can't have that, I can't have that, I can't wait until I can have blank again, I really did try to make my focus or my mindset like I'm grateful to be able to figure this out and I'm grateful to have the opportunity to take responsibility for my health in this way. So that was a unique experience for me because I've never done anything like this before. It also helped me understand and be more sensitive to others with actual dietary restrictions because y'all... I feel like a whiny left-hander saying this, no offense left-handers, but our culture or society or whatever is just not very conducive to food allergies and restrictions. And I know from a restaurant or food prep perspective, it's hard to be conducive to this, but if I had a legit combination of food intolerances, it would be such a hard life. So shout out to anyone who is severely limited in their food choices and always has to pay super close attention to this stuff. Um, it's a really interesting way to navigate social functions and dining out and just the food world in general. Okay, let's talk about what, if anything, I am keeping from Whole30. So first and foremost, if I find an intolerance to something, I will be continuing to exclude that from my diet. I am currently suspecting dairy as a potential trigger right now, but some things are hard to tell. Like, is this just because I haven't had dairy for 30 days and my body is like panicking about what to do with it or am I actually not okay with it? So right now, jury's still out. Dairy's not sitting too well with me. And if that continues, then I'll be really choosy with my dairy consumption. Um, I'm not gonna overdo it or I will just be really aware of what happens if I do choose to overdo it. But aside from actual intolerances, um, this is really weird. But I think that I will actually still use the unfortunately very expensive but delicious Whole30 Ketchup, which is just a brand called Primal Kitchen, and it has no sugars or weird stuff in it. Um, it's probably what ketchup was like originally intended to be before we decided like, let's put sugar in there. Um, and so it actually just tasted really good. I think it was just like tomatoes and vinegar. So I think that I will still be buying that. Sorry, Heinz, and sorry, bank account. I will definitely still be having sugar, but I'm gonna be a lot more picky with what I choose um, that has added sugar in it because it's just not necessary. And I do think that all of that added sugar adds up at the end of the day. And it does have at least some effect on my body, even if it's not super noticeable. Um, I would really love to eat as close to natural and from the ground as possible. But for me personally, I'm not at a place right now where I'm ready to be like, goodbye, all processed food or anything like that. So I'm not going to say no added sugar, no honey, anything like that. But I will 100% be reading labels more carefully and intentionally in that department. Which brings me to probably my biggest lesson and thing that I'm keeping around is my overall definition or perception of what healthy is for me. 
So being in the fitness space and being interested in building muscle and working out and all that kind of stuff, the kind of natural route for nutrition that I've followed and been exposed to is macronutrient tracking. So keeping up with things like carbohydrate, protein, and fat consumption. And this is great. I still stand by this approach. Um, However, I realized doing Whole30 how much kind of like fake stuff or calorie free stuff that I was trying to fit into my macros. Um, I realized that a lot of those things are just loaded with fake food and fake chemicals, which yes, I knew that beforehand, um, but I wasn't super aware of how that was affecting me. Um, So in terms of overall health, I am not really as big of a fan of calorie free and sugar free stuff anymore. So as much as I love the taste of some things and I really would love to like fit things in my macros, I really do want to prioritize ingredients and purity of ingredients over strictly macronutrients. So I guess just reading more ingredient labels as opposed to just, oh, does this have good macros? Like actually reading what's in stuff instead of just the nutritional facts, I guess. I'll definitely be making more of an effort in that department. The last thing I want to talk about is whether or not I recommend Whole30 and why or why not. So the short answer here is yes. And the long answer is it depends. I think overall, as general as possible, this was a really positive experience. I learned a lot and I potentially uncovered the source of a lot of discomfort that I was experiencing. I think that, like I said in the beginning, too many people are living with less than ideal circumstances or feelings and we've just gotten used to it so that we we think it's normal. And that's why I really truly think everyone should do something like this, an elimination diet of some sort, because you really just might not know you're actually missing out on a certain quality of life. So I do recommend it for that reason, but it also depends because I really don't think that it's realistic in some cases. For example, if you're a vegan or even vegetarian, this would be really hard and I want to say like borderline malnourishing because you would literally only be eating plants. And I know that people are like, well, that's what we're supposed to be doing anyway, but like you still can't even have all plants, right? Because you can't have beans, um... And some things are just not Whole30 compliant. So for 30 days, I just don't think that our bodies could really thrive off of being a vegan or a vegetarian and being Whole30. I feel like you would be super energy deprived um, and or nutrient deficient, um, but I could be wrong. Um, Most vegans and vegetarians get their protein from beans or lentils, and both of these are off limits during Whole30. They also consume a ton of soy because that's how fake meats like tofu and tempeh or just like fake chicken and stuff is made. And soy is not Whole30 compliant either. So even though being vegan and vegetarian is quote unquote healthy, it's probably not a good idea to do Whole30. 30 while you're being vegan or if you are forever a vegan. So not being able to have tofu, tempeh, beans, lentils, grains, all that, you would essentially just be eating leaves. So I really don't think that it would be smart for someone who already has a restrictive diet to do Whole30. Now, if you're like, yeah, I couldn't do it because I like blank too much or I couldn't do it because I could never give up this. It would just be too hard. I think that that's worth thinking on and digging in a little further about maybe why you're so resistant or why you're so dependent on whatever it is you're clinging to as a reason not to try it. And that brings up something else that I learned and took away, which is how I was using food as a treat or celebration for so many things, like how dependent I was on food. And I definitely think food is something that brings people together. I think it's a bonding activity. It's a a social thing. It's ritualistic, all that great stuff. But for example... Michael and I celebrate Treat Yourself Friday, every Friday. And during Whole30, I was like, wait, what am I supposed to treat myself with? Um, Because I couldn't have like my 
special coffee from a certain coffee shop or like I couldn't go and have a little chocolate from a little bakery I like to go to as if food was my only option of a treat, right? So I learned to give myself other types of treats, like a small gift from a store that I like. I'd go buy a candle. Um, I would get a different coffee from a place that I like to go to. I would treat myself to a run on a different side of town that I never go to. Um, I slept in, things like that. So it did help remove food as a kind of central focus in some ways, I guess. So overall for me, it was a really good experience. And yeah, don't get me wrong, it was hard and it's not something that I would like to do again at the moment, but it really wasn't that bad. Like I said, timing is super important and I picked a really decent time of year to do it, a really good month to do it. So I had that on my side. And as long as you can commit to cooking a little more and being vocal at social gatherings or going out to eat, it really is doable and it's not that big of a deal. It's really all in your mindset and how you approach it. Okay, that's it. I hope that that covered anything that you might have wanted to know. If I left out something or you have a question that Google can't answer um, about maybe my own personal experience or maybe you want some like human advice on how to do it for yourself or, or just how to try something similar, feel free to shoot me a message via email. My email is emily at emilyjordan.me. I'll put that in the show notes or you can find me on Instagram at double underscore emilyjordan, double underscore Sorry for the underscores. There's a lot of Emily's and a lot of Emily Jordans. Um, I'll put that in the show notes as well. Just wherever you follow me, shoot me a message. Also check the show notes for some links to resources that I found helpful, some articles, um, as well as all the platforms where you can find me. And as usual, it would just be super awesome if you could rate and or review the podcast wherever you're listening, because that could bring just one more listener, which could be one more person to entertain or help or just connect with. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for being here. Um, Stay tuned for two more episodes going up in the next week to make up for my huge hiatus. (laughs) Have a great rest of your day and I will catch you in the next episode.